Cynthia A. Thomas is a licensed counselor in the state of Maine. She is also licensed and ordained with the International Church of Foursquare Gospel. Cynthia's teaching is focused on ordinary people learning an extraordinary way of loving God and loving others. Where church isn't a building, it's people learning together and encouraging each other to follow the teaching of Jesus. Thanks for joining today, and now here is Cindy with today's focus. The new year is traditionally marked by resolutions for the next year that are made in hopeful anticipation of success this time. <laughs> Some statistics I read said that of those who make New Year's resolutions, 25% stop after week one, and after six months, less than half were still even attempting to live up to their resolution. So. What do we do about the idea of New Year's resolutions? When you look up the word resolution, the definition says a firm decision to do or not do something. As a counselor and a fellow human being who has worked to grow and change various old habits in my life, I can attest to the fact that to make a firm decision is one thing, but to follow through with that decision, with consistent actions, is quite another thing altogether. In counseling, my go-to therapy is cognitive behavioral therapy. The research on its effectiveness is plentiful, and it just so happens, it goes very well with my Christian-based life philosophy, which tells me, from Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. And then in 2 Corinthians 10.5 it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I am all about recognizing unhealthy thought patterns that need to be taken captive and redirected to a healthier reframing of our point of view. In thinking about resolutions, when we develop habits, good or bad, we create neural pathways in our brain that get used to doing or thinking in a certain way and our thoughts like to travel down those well-used paths. There's all kinds of complex explanations of this process you can research online if you like. But I'm going to try to explain this in a very simple version. In essence, it's like construction workers who build a roadway system. We create thought superhighways in our brains, which are specifically built by the circumstances we live, the way we think about those circumstances or other things in general, or by habits that we get into. And it is as annoying and tedious to navigate their repair or rebuild as it is trying to travel down a road system that is being repaired or rebuilt. The old gets all torn up so that the new can be established. It's a messy process. 
Those original synaptic pathways we create in our brains are like well-worn four-wheeler trails or a snowmobile trail or cross-country ski trail or summer wilderness walking trail. It's easier to go down that which has been used many times before. In fact, it's kind of hard to make our way off a well-used trail. Ever tried to take a snowmobile off the used trail and out into fresh snow? Or to go off the walking path and cut through the woods? Your workload effort goes up significantly. It's the same thing with our thought life. If we're used to thinking and acting a certain way and we've practiced that way of thinking and acting for years, then we've developed strong neural pathways and it takes some purposeful, focused, sometimes long-term work to break a new trail and to create a new well-traveled neural pathway of thought and action. And I've discovered if I leave Jesus out of this journey, it makes this endeavor all the more challenging to do because this process is not easy, period. We must continuously take our struggles to Christ. We must capture those undesired thoughts and set them before the Lord to ask for His intervention so we have the mind of Christ and not just the thoughts of our own fallen nature. If we have asked Jesus to be Lord of our lives, then because of Christ in us the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, we have access to the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. However, it takes work to submit to God's perspective on things and have our minds renewed from their current way of thinking and acting. It's a growing process. Anyone heard me say that before? <laughs> That's why trauma is so damaging, especially to children whose brains are actually forming and growing. A traumatic experience which affects the emotion center of our brain actually digs those pathways deep and quick. And long-term trauma is even worse. Substance abuse actually alters brain function, which makes dealing with substance abuse a whole specialty category in the mental health field and has specific training. Mental health is an interesting subject. When we deal with the brain, we can't see what's wrong and we can't see emotional impact on a person. So it's hard for some people to understand the work and effort that needs to happen to heal from emotional damage. We can see a broken arm or a broken leg and we know how to empathize and help out with people in the healing process. We have easy grace for those situations because we can see it, we get it. But emotional health we can't see. We often don't understand and we frequently blame the person for being broken. We would not blame a person for the healing process it takes to repair a physical wound, yet we often do blame a person for the healing process it takes to repair an emotional wound or to change their way of thinking and behaving.
and I'll be the first to acknowledge that changing habits or the emotional healing process is a tricky thing, as there is a point, which is different for everyone, when we do have to just push through the emotions to renew our thinking or act differently. And that takes ongoing work. Just like getting physical therapy after an injury is uncomfortable and takes work over the long term with practice at home, a change of thinking or emotional healing needs the same consideration as we gain strength to heal or change. Physical healing or emotional healing can all be hard and monotonous and sometimes can be a bit annoying to ourselves or others around us. Sometimes we can heal through self-identified strategies or nutritional efforts, and sometimes it takes help from medical professions and medicines. Everyone is different and every situation is different. Trauma and emotional events often requires the ongoing care of a therapist to walk people through recovery and healing. Just like trauma and physical events often takes a doctor to walk people through. So just like we need to decide when it's wisdom to go to the good doctor, we need to decide when it's wisdom to go talk to a good therapist. Whether you are facing this new year hoping to renew your mind from some long-term ingrained undesirable habit of life, or to establish a new habit in life, or you need to heal from an emotional trauma in your life, it takes conscious work toward healing to renew the way we think and react to things. And I wouldn't want to go through that valley of shadows without Jesus the healer and deliverer walking with me through it. So, why do I tell you all this? Because I want you to understand that making a resolution or a decision to do or not do something is just the first step of the journey. But asking Jesus to give you wisdom and guidance and then identifying where you're at and where you want to go is a vital first step. Once you get your goal identified, the door is open and the journey begins. Right out the door, though, the first challenge will be remembering in the moment that you wanted to handle this differently this time. That usually takes practice, too. We often find ourselves through the situation and then think, oh, I wanted to do that differently this time. So how do we bring Jesus into this journey? We pray every morning, just as we're instructed in Hebrews 4.19, and come to Jesus, our high priest at the throne of grace, asking for his grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And the time of need is when we face those situations where we're trying to make change. Excuse me, that's Hebrews 4.16, not 19. From there, I find a couple of scriptures at least that speak to where it is I want to grow toward, whatever that area is I'm dealing with. And I get those scriptures in front of my face as often during the day as I possibly can in an attempt to renew my mind 
with God's eternity perspective on the situation. I've been known to put sticky notes with said verses all over my house. Bathroom mirror, kitchen cupboard that I often open, computer monitor, etc. In this day and age, we can actually put scriptures on our phone and set an alarm to bring them to our attention a few times a day if we want to. Remembering in the moment to do things differently is a big first hurdle. Once we are remembering in the moment, the next hurdle is actually choosing to think or behave in the new way. And that's no little effort either. Even though I can get to the point where I finally remember I'm going to do things differently in this moment, or I wanted to, I'm standing there thinking, I don't even want to do it differently right now. What? So what do we do with ourselves when we get there? We must get our high priest Jesus involved, as this is exactly the time of need where we must have his mercy and grace to help us. When I come to those times, this is kind of my confession to the Lord. Jesus, I don't even want to do things differently right now. And I'm actually annoying myself that I don't want to. Please give me your mercy and grace to help me overcome my own desire here. Please help me want to will and work for your good pleasure in this situation. That's from Philippians 2.13. Or you could use the shorter version I've used from, for the prayer. Jesus, help! <laughs> oh. We also must understand that it's not just one thing we're dealing with. We're dealing with things that have a very real biological component. We're dealing with things that have an emotional component, which is amplified by our fallen flesh nature that we inherited from the garden. And you can count on it being an opportune time so that the enemy tries to get himself involved with his Ephesians 6 satanic strategies to come against us. So because I know that any weakness of my flesh will be exploited by the Ephesians 6.16 fiery projectiles of the satanic realm, I use the 1 Peter 5.8 scripture declaring and working to submit myself to God and resisting our enemy the devil, who God says will flee from me when I do that. Therefore, I can at least get the satanic realm off me while I'm dealing with the fallen flesh nature and these unhelpful biological neural pathways I've developed over my past. My declaration there sounds something like, I submit my way of thinking to you, Jesus. Help me renew my mind according to your word. I now resist the devil in the name of Jesus, and I thank you that according to your word, he must flee from me now in Jesus' name. Then I go forward fighting the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12, leaning hard on the strength of Jesus in me because I know that I'm not strong enough, but Christ in me gives me strength, Philippians 4.13. And no matter how many times I seem to fall down on this journey, I am assured by Proverbs 24.16 that the righteous may fall a lot, but they rise again. So, after I often sit there in a bit of a pout for a minute, 
when I fall, I get back up in Jesus and go again. Hallelujah. No condemnation. John 3:17. No reproach from our Father in heaven when we come to him for wisdom to figure things out. James 1:5. We must refuse to speak Satan's condemnation over our own lives and submit to God and speak his word over our lives whether we feel like it or not. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David says that he was strengthening himself in his God. That's what's recorded of him. That's what we need to do. When we speak God's word over us and not Satan's blah, 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 fiery projectiles he hurls at us, we need to try to focus on what God says about us and not where Satan tries to get us to focus on our failure. We walk in the promise that God will be with us through the valley of shadows, Psalms 23, and that we, because of Jesus, are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 8, 35 through 37. But we must not weary in well-doing and just give up on God's work in us because we make a choice to believe that when we get through this rough season, we will reap what we have sown to the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians 6, 9. And I personally have decided that even if I die in spiritual battle, I'm willing to show up to Jesus confused and beat up, but I'm not willing to bow to the enemy of God. In Daniel 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow to the image of King Nebuchadnezzar, and they are being bound and about to be thrown into the fiery furnace, the king says, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's answer was that the God that they served was able to deliver them out of his hands. And then they added that even if God didn't deliver them in this particular case, they still were not going to bow down to the king's image. They would not bow down to any but their God. It's hard to beat someone with that attitude. And it does infuriate the enemy to have someone stand their ground with their minds renewed to the God-eternity perspective of life. I have shared with you my process and given you some scriptures I use, but these scriptures aren't like magic words or anything. They are concepts of the truth of God, and it is the truth of God that sets us free, John 8.32 tells us. Use these scriptures with your work with Christ if you like, or go pick out scriptures that encourage you onto faithfulness as you press in to God and to growing from glory to glory toward the likeness of Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Whether you call it a New Year's resolution or just set some goals for growth or healing any time in the year, go forward and don't despise the day of small beginnings Zechariah 4.10 counsels us. All growth and change starts somewhere. 
Start where you're at in whatever growth area you are working on with Jesus and go one day at a time, one moment at a time, and just keep on keeping on in Jesus, everyone. Till next time. And that concludes today's segment. We hope to see you next time as you learn the extraordinary ways of loving God and others.